welcome to the Sensual Artistry Podcast, exploring erotic awakenings and liberated love. I'm your host, Luna Agnea, essential arts and intimacy facilitator, relationship coach, tantrika, and artist with a passion for the path of liberation through love. In this podcast, you will receive firsthand stories of sacred erotic awakenings, transformational experiences, and love that goes beyond limits. This podcast is here to inspire, educate, and awaken your own sensual artist, because when you liberate your eros, you liberate your life. All right, so today I'm here with Mike. Uh, Mike and I have had a beautiful conversation before about um, all things kind of queer, sacred sexuality, uh, the non-binary life and all this kind of stuff. And I'm really excited to have another conversation today. So would you like to introduce yourself, Mike? Sure. Yeah. My name is Mike. I guess that part's obvious. Uh, (laughs) The phrase I use is sex and relationship coach. Although I have to say I'm finding myself a lot more interested in facilitating recently. But anyways, generally enjoy nerding out about connection, intimacy, sexuality, gender, and creating spaces for other people to learn about their process. And I like writing and yeah, podcasting is fun. Um, yeah, that's that's a bit about my professional self. I live in Seattle at the moment. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Um, yeah, and so I... I'm super curious what you feel like sharing today. If you have a erotic awakening mm. experience or some kind of story like to share with us to give us some inspiration into your life and your world. Yeah, thank you. Also, I want to say this was such a beautiful invitation to ponder this question. And for anybody listening, I would I think it's just a really wonderful question to ponder and even have a conversation with a friend about because just preparing for this interview, like unlocked a lot for me so I just wanted to appreciate you Luna for that and and just really appreciating the space and okay as far as I guess I'll start with a little context um so the experience for me happened it was pre-COVID like maybe 2018 2019 and (laughs) the context is it was a really rough life period I I don't really astrology isn't a really a part of my worldview, although I respect people for whom it is, but um, it seemed like a Saturn returns kind of thing. And there's just so much happening. Like I completely ran out of money. I had to quit my coaching career at the time. I was just like spiraled into this depression. I worked really hard because I was afraid that if I didn't make enough money, I would become some epic life failure. And then I like burnt out to an epic degree and just everything kind of crashed and burned at the same time. And I had to let go of my entire life. So that's like the context of where I was. And then to get by, I said like, all right, I'm done with coaching. I'm done having ambition. I'm done with purpose. I'm not trying to change the world. I'm just going to work at a sex shop. I just want to experiment with my sexuality and be a normal person just getting by. And I mean, it was actually a really weird experience. It was a gay kinky sex shop. And it was, yeah, it was really, um, it was actually quite transformational in its own regard, but working there in that whole life period, kind of the thread of all this, which I'll tie together just briefly was that 
this was a life period where I learned how to transmute an immense amount of pain and suffering through my eroticism. And like, I knew that people did that. I knew that BDSM was a thing, but working at the sex shop for one, I, I got a discount on the clothes. So I was often like shopping for sexy clothes and my coworkers were like really encouraging and just telling me I look sexy and everything. And so I just started buying all these different, uh, hot clothing garments, like G strings and mesh and just like everything. And while that was happening, I was also getting opened up to metal for like the first time. I was just like exploring dark, aggressive music where people sang their pain. And it was so cathartic for me. And so then I started making all these sex playlists and I, I like organizing. And so I just had like so many different sex playlists. I, I just had like 10 and one for different vibes. And so like, as all this was happening, I had all these clothes and I had all these playlists my clothes started to turn into outfits and my outfits started to turn into personas and characters. And it was like each aesthetic would kind of clump into its own character. And then that character would have sexual music they liked listening to. So I was all of a sudden discovering within myself these like very clear sexual identities and characters. And there was like two that were the most prominent one, I was naming Precious at the time, and she's actually evolved quite a bit since. But, uh, and this kind of like blew up my concept of gender because out of nowhere, there was like a sexy girl inside of me. And I was wearing these like hot pink outfits, and I had this really great G string, and I was working at the sex shop on the counter, and all these guys would come in and ogle me. And I had this like, mm, you can look, but you can't touch kind of thing going on. And it was just like really gratifying and just opening up something really foreign. And then this other character that opened up, I was calling them Fallen Angel because uh, my boss told me, he just gave me that name. And I was like, oh, I kind of like that. And I was just like, so gothy, <laughs> so gothy, just like only black, only mesh, nails, only black, like heavy eyeshadow would just listen to like Disturbed and Marilyn Manson and that kind of music. And anyway, so these two characters were cropping up very clearly. Um and I was exploring them with my partner too. I won't get all the way into that, but my partner and I were dancing a lot in that chapter. So we'd make playlists and open up energies. And like I, these characters and other ones too would just come up so clearly and every time would polarize my partner into a very specific character. So all this was happening, but it kind of hit a, um, I'd say the part where it was most impactful. I was working with a, not working. I don't know the right word. I was meeting with a mentor at the time and her name was Sarah and she was <laughs> uh, she was great she was like kind of crazy in a really phenomenal way and just really intense and um honestly the most intense person I've ever met and we got into this dom sub relationship where she was just as my life was falling into pieces she was telling me to do things and I was really happy to abdicate my responsibility and she was just telling me to do things that were really really intense and the first thing she had me do was like I made this three minute video on Facebook where I just unlocked my rage and all I said was fuck to everything that came up just like fuck you know fuck this fuck the king community fuck the patriarchy fuck the fuck the fuck the and I posted on Facebook and it people freaked out and my parents got worried and blah 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 but anyways um as it related to these characters she had me write a, a letter to each one um on really big paper and I just wrote this very heartfelt letter dear precious dear fallen angel and like dumped my heart into the confusion I was going through and what these characters represented and what's going on with my gender. Why am I so attracted to power and control? And then I went into downtown Seattle and I stapled these big 
letters up on a really public area. And then I stepped back like um, 10, 20 meters and just sat and watched. And I watched people go up and read them. And it was so impactful. And I just have this vivid memory of this one guy went up and read one. And I went up next to him and he didn't know I wrote it. And he was reading the one about Precious. And I was just like, oh, so what do you think? And it was just this really stilling moment where he was saying that he's like, wow, I have that same thing in me, but I've never named it before. And it was so powerful for me to just reveal something very vulnerable and confusing happening and then actually have it help another person understand their world. So I'll wrap up here and just say like, it was just this whole life chapter that was just a life chapter of suffering pretty much. And my biggest outlet for understanding myself and for taking pleasure from the suffering was this erotic space of like dark sexual energy. And it was cropping up everywhere, everywhere in my connection and my solo sex practice. But yeah, and I guess the last thing I'll say is like, I can still access dark erotic energy, but it's not this, it's not the same. Like what that had me realize is that I just feel like every life chapter has a different energetic flavor and my sexuality will be different in every life chapter because my sexuality is just like transmuting whatever is there and the the what was there at that point just happened to be like pure darkness um but yeah I, i'll pause there mm, beautiful that's so inspiring to hear um mm. yeah about these different kind of sub personality archetype kind of um mm. energies that you were exploring and how your sexuality helped that like yeah I was thinking about this on the weekend I was at this sex positive festival and yeah just thinking about like the concept of sexuality and like what it mm. is and how it's like you know it's emotional it's like mm -hmm. physical it's relational it's energetic mm -hmm. it's like unconscious it's conscious like it's just it's everything and you know it's uh -huh. like it's us and our personality but it's not us it's personal it's transpersonal and I was just like kind of having my mind blown of just you know sexuality in huh. general and like this this whole thing of our eroticism and our, our erotic life and just how like meta it is really what uh -huh. like it's not just a simple thing of like oh yeah I have sex with people it's like you know right. gender and uh, and everything um so yeah, it was inspiring, like hearing you kind of speak to this. Um, mm. And yeah, and it, you know, also that what you're describing is essentially erotic shadow work, which, um, mm. you know, Sonia and I talk about with our art of tantric kink. And um, we were kind of even looking at maybe writing a book about this. And I, oh, cool. know, we talk about it quite a bit about how like BDSM and kink and sexuality can be a space to explore unconscious uh, mm -hmm. elements of our psyche um, and how really cool that is and how we can integrate mm. all these uh, parts of us that don't have space in our day-to-day -day life they don't have space in our you know mm -hmm. work relationships or in our family life or whatever and how sexuality can be this way mm -hmm. to be like hey yeah there is a precious in me there is a mm -hmm. fallen angel in me and like mm -hmm. where do they get to play where do they get to express themselves so that they're not just kind of like these um, repressed hidden aspects um so right. it's really cool and inspiring hearing that so can I'm i ask curious, you a question like, there yeah sure yeah, yeah. So I'm curious because I, I fully resonate with what you're saying. And I'm wondering, because I've been wondering this recently, because I feel like a lot of different types of self-inquiry or relational practice will help somebody open up or like discover a new part of themselves. And I was, I'm really curious your take on this because I, I have like two practices for doing that. One is I'll use 
um, something I'll, I just call loving awareness. So I'll like be meditating and it doesn't necessarily feel erotic, usually not. And I'll just like go into the space of loving awareness that loves everything and all these things crop up and I cry and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I'll just go into pleasure and my self-pleasure practice. And then it's like pleasure is just like yanking out all these like crazy parts of myself. And I'm wondering, do you, in your experience, do you feel like the shadow work done from a place of love as the like pulling agent versus pleasure as the pulling agent like do those feel different to you I'm, I'm curious if that distinction even lands yeah I mean what we say like with um you know working with erotic energy in general and you know what we understand about like orgasm and um sexuality and stuff is that it's working with more unconscious aspects of the mind um that mm. like to be able to orgasm and to feel pleasure we generally have to kind of uh, let our prefrontal cortex go offline a little bit and we're more uh -huh. in like the primal and the limbic areas of the brain mm -hmm. um, so you know the the kind of theory there is that when we bring erotic energy in then we're actually accessing different areas of the unconscious and different areas uh -huh. of the brain that we can't access when we're mm. in this more conscious loving awareness picking apart psychoanalyzing um area because right. that's using this part of the mind that isn't actually accessing as much of the unconscious and obviously mm. you know a lot of this mm -hmm. is just like theory probably uh on the pseudoscience uh, area right now sure. but kind of some people are figuring this stuff out but um i do think yeah. there is a, a very different access points to yeah you know the the ones that are kind of more subconscious versus completely unconscious <laughs> right I yeah that vibes with my experience because when you mentioned that I realized like if I'm doing like loving practice usually what I find is like wounded children almost all the time yeah. but if I'm going through like pleasure and like pulling into the subconscious shit what's in there like I'll get all kinds of shit like <laughs> you know sometimes children sometimes parts that are vicious or like dominant or want to kill or want to be killed or whatever it is I guess yeah, really the things that are all the taboo stuff, I guess. Mm, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I'm curious, like, you know, speaking of that um, shadow work and mm -hmm. that exploration of yours, like, how did you find bringing these pieces to light and exploring them and writing these letters and mm. putting them publicly and stuff? Like, how uh -huh. did you find that affected you um, in the future? Like, did that help integrate some mm. elements or um, how did that mm -hmm. yeah. you know, show up in your life? Uh-huh. Yeah, I would say both of those parts, the ones that I named, evolved. It was like they weren't like final characters. It was like, I don't exactly even know how to interpret it to this day because there's so many different lenses, like were they archetypes from some other realm that I was accessing or were they different parts of my subconscious? I, I don't really know, but I think like the best interpret... So I can take Precious as an example. Precious was interesting because up until that point, I had identified as a man. And all of a sudden, I found something that wasn't just like sacred feminine energy. I was like, no, no, this is a this seems like a girl like this is a different gender situation happening. And as I like continue to push into that, whoa, actually, you know, it's weird. <laughs> okay, I didn't realize this until now. I think what happened is those two parts like fused with each other. Because I had a new character that emerged like a year after that, as I started writing erotica, and all my erotica, like I had this character named Taj and they were this like incredibly androgynous, genderless, gender fluid, like sex being who would just seduce people. And like, it, it was kind of interesting. It was like Taj would 
find a couple. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is one of the threads. Josh would find a couple who's like really closed off in a box together, seduce them both, create this like crazy orgy and then like blow up that couple's life and just leave them to take care of the ruins of like truth that they discovered. That was like the thread for this fantasy. But as I trace that back, what it feels like was there's some way in which like the gender opening of the precious piece, like kind of matured more and then like fluidified and then all of the kinkiness of the other part, they just kind of like merged into this new being. So I guess like to your question, I do feel like it integrated, but as I keep exploring myself and exploring different parts and I, I like part parts work frameworks and I like subpersonalities and archetypes and stuff. It just feels like they keep evolving and I can like touch into these characters. I touch into Taj sometimes, but it all just keeps, it's just like one thing just like kind of turns into the next, turns into the next, turns into the next. And it's almost like, just like you and I are constantly changing. Like these things have a life of their own and they're representing some part of me, but seem to be constantly changing. And like guess integrating, I'm not sure how much sense that made, but it, at least it kind of made sense on my end. <laughs> yeah, beautiful. It's nice to yeah hear about this evolution of um, these mm -hmm. different characters and pieces. And you know, how do you find that um, shows up in your relationship? You mentioned that you know your mm -hmm. your partner would interact with these different um, kind of characters mm -hmm. that would come through, and I can imagine that would also be teaching your partner about themselves um, through mm -hmm. you know exploring um, the interaction. Because right. yeah, I remember mm -hmm. like when when my partner kind of puts on a, a different character I notice yeah like uh -huh. my whole being shifts and kind of reorientates to this different character right. and a different part of me shows up in relation yeah. to, to that piece yeah yeah totally so I think my current framework that I use is something like this is what I find most helpful is that I am some multitude of an infinite amount of parts and by part I just mean like some being inside of me and I think where I bump up against like IFS internal family systems is they're a parts work framework, but it's like, it's very specific. It's like just wounded children or protectors or firefighters. But I found in my experience, like I, I have a lot of wounded children, but I have all kinds of characters. And I think everybody does if they choose to use this framework. And so I think for me, where it's, it's taking me is one kind of like what you're pointing out in, in engaging with your partner, like either creating scenes to open up these parts with myself and my partner and find new parts and not just scenes like I find dance is a really effective way for me also because using language can both amplify the reality of it of opening a dynamic or a part but it can also be harder to sink into whereas when it's non-verbal I feel like I can just get really deep in the energies but I think for me like my ultimate goal at least as it relates to what we're talking about here is to have like total um agency over my expression expressing from any parts because like often I, I have this part that's really hard for me to bring out with people where it's like I'm this young kind of bashful little kid and it feels so good to be able to tap into that and just like hey how's it going and just like poke that at someone or like sometimes it might feel good to um I, I'm I'm sure there's like a productive way but like you if, when I can feel anger like a part that's angry and, and defensive but like be able to flare that up and just feeling like I have this orchestra of parts and being able to like not just feel what they're feeling, but actually like call them into expression at any given moment it seems to me like a really valuable and worthwhile uh, aim. Mm. Yeah, that's a very tantric approach essentially is this like, you mm. know, there's this um, 
yeah, like honoring of all these different energies. And instead mm-hmm. of being like, oh no, like anger's bad or, oh no, I'm not uh-huh. open. I'm a, I'm a powerful being is uh-huh. to instead like ride that and be like, oh, curious, right. like what's here? Like, oh, what can I learn uh-huh. from this energy and to, to ride the waves and to um, explore mm-hmm. them and to not reject anything and to recognize that there's nothing mm-hmm. that's like a hierarchy of like, this is more sacred than that, or this is more spiritual uh-huh. than that. Uh, which is where also you know the, the modern neo tantra scene kind of you know, often does this bit uh mm. wrong in in context of the alignment with um uh, original tantra which was yeah very like non-hierarchical of your expressions mm. and emotions and everything um you know is divine energy and everything is available to you at any time and we have everything within us and that's fucking beautiful so um, I find that's a very spiritual experience uh, for myself anyway to be able to recognize like wow like I literally Uh have like every possible constellation of emotion and being and whatever in me and like that's my power as god or the divine or whatever Uh to be able to act in all these different roles yeah so when you like what would you say when you're pointing to neo-tantra views things differently in a way it seems like you don't agree with or find useful how would you explain the way that that field views this kind of stuff around like the hierarchy Um, of yeah it's it's like you know i mean it comes from a lot of the general new age um which Uh then kind of merged with like neo-tantra but you know this idea that like anger is low vibration and you know um pleasure and bliss is super high vibration (laughs) and that you don't want to be experiencing that and you know fear is always like low vibrational energy so we want to bypass that and we don't want to feel that that's not spiritual like being spiritual is all gratitude and bliss and love and and you know not to mention the neo-tantra world with this like sacred masculine sacred feminine Uh where you know they would say like oh you're obviously unspiritual and unevolved if you have this like little girl in you (laughs) and you're in the body of a man and stuff so rather than recognizing like wow that's your like that's what the a lot of the deities were representing in tantra is like Mm. you know this ability to tap into all these different energies and that they could shape shift and change and embody all the energies of life um fluidly so Mm. yeah yeah i love that okay i have a question i was wondering actually i was at a um one tantra festival um the last one I went to a workshop and one of the instructors like gave us all a chart and it was like this, it was like kind of a pretty like bootleg science thing, but it was like a chart of all of the different emotions and it had like a a numerical rating next to each one. So it's like fear is, I don't know, negative 50 and dread is negative 60 and and like excitement is 70 and gratitude is 90 and bliss is 100 or, you know, whatever. You you kind of get the idea. And I think the way that I generally lead my life is aligned with how you were describing, like, bringing in all of it and embracing all of it. And to play devil's advocate against both of us, like, all else equal, I would probably want to just feel bliss and gratitude all the time. Like, when that's happening in my life, it's pretty great. So I guess I'm, I'll open the inquiry and maybe I can think about it too, but I'll at least open it to you of like, I'm curious how you hold the 
I think reality that like some energetic experiences are preferable to others. And I get that like I learned something like I had that dark life period, wouldn't change it for the world, learned a lot from it. Do I want another one? Like, hopefully not. But if it happens, I'll embrace it, I'm sure. But I'm curious, like how you hold that uh, tension of just the reality that I think some states are more are better or like that I think you know what I'm like pointing at at least <laughs> yeah some, some are more enjoyable and pleasurable and and feel enjoyable good, but yeah. This, yeah this is the whole thing with life where it's like um you know you you can't feel bliss and pleasure without the contrast of feeling suffering and pain and you know the the idea in the kind of um spiritual philosophy is that consciousness um wants to experience everything and i feel like uh, carolyn elliott and existential kink kind of described mm -hmm. this well and i think there was also this um alan watts famous one of like yeah like if you were just feeling bliss all the time and for a th thousands mm. and millions of years you kept being reincarnated and it was all good and it was all blissful like you would get bored <laughs> and you know mm. we see this mm. in our uh culture's desire for watching war movies and watching suffering and there is this like kind of sadomasochistic element mm. to uh humanity mm -hmm. that does get bored if everything's sweet mm. and blissful and content and everyone's grateful all the time like there is something within humanity mm -hmm. that um also likes that contrast and mm. and also you know there's there's usefulness to it like we need to be able to feel fear so that we don't get in dangerous situations mm -hmm. um so when people say like oh you shouldn't don't live in fear and I mean, obviously being in fear for an extended period of time when it's not relevant mm -hmm. to the actual reality is not going to be good for you and not going to be a mm -hmm. good time. But like, you know, people that don't feel fear end up getting in abusive relationships, getting assaulted, mm. getting raped, like, because they can't mm -hmm. tell that it's dangerous. They don't have that fear response. Mm. So like, mm -hmm. it's, it's a useful right. thing that you need to feel um, to preserve mm -hmm. your life. And same with anger, like, you know, if you feel really passionately about something and there's something that um, is causing damage in the world or someone's threatening mm -hmm. your family or something, then mm -hmm. anger is a, a beautiful response that actually gives us mm -hmm. all this life force and energy and passionate aliveness to be able to take action. So this idea mm -hmm. that we start rating these as lower, um, I think, is very unbeneficial to like mm -hmm. the the usefulness of them like they help us navigate right. life they're 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 there for a reason yeah totally i have a um let me see if i can find this i have a picture that i drew the other day also say i'm not i'm not an artist mm -hmm. but i drew this um i was on a meditation retreat and i was doing this death contemplation actually i'll just show the picture it's not actually quite that relevant but i like to share things but essentially what i was coming to was that there's some space, if like a person meditates, it doesn't even have to be meditation, has some kind of spiritual practice. There's some space that like, inevitably you will touch, probably at least. And like, I touch it every now and then, where it feels like, holy shit, I feel like I'm zoomed out of this whole mic experience. And I'm just like, I was trying to articulate this, that like, when we die, this is probably some place we go. And actually, the picture's not that all that helpful here. But cool picture that I drew but anyways place that I touch every once in a while that people probably touch where it's like zoomed out of the whole mic experience and just like I mean a lot of ways it can look but either like feeling completely in tune with the flow of life whatever life is or being in this like complete observing state and that place is really 
peaceful and it it feels really like it feels so valuable to touch but i think in my personal opinion even though i was playing devil's advocate earlier i actually agree with you like i think that place is valuable to touch but i don't think the goal is to live there all the time for me i think the goal is like great it's great to go there sometimes it just happens i get perspective i feel peace i feel at ease but i think like the whole point of being a human is to like be a human like be in the human drama you know chase dreams and experience heartbreak and feel rage and get hurt and and go on roller coasters and eat candy sometimes and just like the whole fucking thing and and it's it's useful to like zoom out of that because if in my experience if i get too locked into the human drama then like things start to i take things too seriously and it's nice to be able to like pop in and pop out but i think where people get in trouble is when they try to live outside of the human drama and they like forget that they're a human or something like that and i i'm sure it does work for some people but i'll just say for me that has never really worked that well yeah for sure i think like you know we're after we die before we're born again if that's what happens you know like then we're mm-hmm. gonna be that like that's that's our uh-huh. eternal nature and that's what you know a lot of us feel when we step into mm. that, um, you know, Shiva consciousness, being mm-hmm. awareness itself, the pure loving space that witnesses it all. It's like, yeah, like that. that's our eternal state. But this embodied experience of humanity, we only have for however many years we're in this mm-hmm. body. So, you know, yeah, you... Yeah, like you said, you don't want to get lost in it. So that's why uh-huh. I consider, you know, these meditative practices like mm. a, a resource, like, a, you know, it helps mm-hmm. build resilience and it helps you navigate the world because, you know, like uh-huh. at the end of the day, I'm this <laughs> like yeah. I'm, I'm right. so much bigger right. than this. And like uh-huh. my my soul is eternal and um ever reaching and undying but you know Mm -hmm. then you can like play this character and be in the drama and play the game and be fully immersed in it uh which is why actually one of the tantric kink practices that we uh, Mm. do is kind of bouncing between the three states so we're like we're fully you know if you're getting flogged by someone or candle wax Uh stripped on you or whatever it's like that you're fully like you become the sensation and you become the pain and then you're the person that's like receiving the pain and then Mm, your awareness mm -hmm. and you're just witnessing this scene happening and it's kind of fun to play Mm -hmm. around with bouncing between these Mm, it's kind of like zooming mm -hmm. in zooming out zooming out um it's a good practice i find for like choosing you know do i want to be fully in um fully Uh out what what happens in between yeah totally it also has me think like with pain stuff like that well i'll follow this thought but like Sometimes it's cool to, I guess I'm appreciating the flexibility of attention that you're describing and ways to put your attention on different things to see the experience from different angles to give this like complete picture. And I also think with pain, it's an interesting one because like one way to experience pain is to just view it as sensation. And that's why I like cold baths. I love cold baths because, um, it's just like it's it, it does really hurt, but it's just like being able to like lift my awareness just outside of my sensation, like a couple metaphorical inches. It's just like, oh wow, this is a really weird, interesting feeling. Uh, that's one way I find to be useful to engage with pain. But another way is just like to express it and just to like ah, ah, and just like feel. I, I my um partner's asleep right now. I should have been more careful, but whatever. Um, I will apologize later. But just like really feel it and like let the pain move through. And I think it's kind of a um, 
Well, I'm like returning to our original conversation where I still feel stumped by what language to use, but what people might call a yang and a yin way of interacting with sensation. At least that's what I would say of like being able to be with and being able to like be inside of and like feel all the way through. Yeah, it's it's I love I've been doing like cold, cold plunges, too. And I find it is such oh, a nice. like, kinky experience, especially after it the, is. the hot. It is. It's really good, good training for that of like, yeah, how can I separate the the suffering uh, or the, the pain or the intensity uh-huh. from like whatever I'm experiencing? I'm I'm curious if because I know that shadow work is a big part and kink is as far as I know, both the big part of what you teach, but also your own personal path. And for me as well, although I kind of go in and out of it, but the thing I'm curious about for you is, so at the beginning when I was describing, like there was a period of my life where it's like, I didn't have a choice, but for my sexuality to be shadow work. It's just like, that's just what it was. And I I can now choose to go into those places. Like I can have a lot of kinds of sexual experience now and, and one kind will be kinky. Um, but usually if I go in there, it's like, it's a choice. It doesn't choose me anymore. And mm. I was just curious if you relate to that at all. Like if you're the, how kinky you are depends on the life period you're in um, or like the, the life chapter. And I'm just curious how you relate to that. Yeah. I've had like um, chats with Sonia about this too. And, you know, with this kind of concept of us using kink as shadow work and stuff and that Mm -hmm. both of us have found over time we've become less kinky Um, Mm -hmm. and it's because we've been recognizing the way that like we were using kink to meet unconscious needs um, or to Mm. express unconscious elements of ourselves and then the more that we explore those in kink and the more that because both of us do coaching and so we do shadow work Mm and um, you know aspecting and all these kind of things Mm -hmm. also uh, then we started like seeing the links between stuff that was expressing um, through our Mm. BDSM dynamics and stuff that was Mm -hmm. other general life unconscious elements so the more we started meeting these needs in our day-to-day life the more that it stopped being like a compulsive need to play with kink. Mm. Um, and, you know, that more now it's like something playful and something that, yeah, to be like, oh, we haven't had a kink scene in a little while. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we should have a little BDSM night. Or um, I found at the Sex Positive Festival the other day, like after, you know, working a lot and, you know, holding space a lot, then I was like, ah, oh, you know, and I got a little bit like, relationally triggered at one point and Mm -hmm. you know then I felt quite like activated and I was like oh yeah I'd really like to get flogged right now like I feel Mm -hmm. like there's tension Mm -hmm. in my body and that I'm like holding on to a lot because I you know I've been triggered and now I'm like holding space and you know just this feeling of like um Mm-hmm. you know being a little too in control and wanting to yeah. release and melt and that I find um flogging a really mm-hmm. beautiful therapeutic tool for like releasing um kind of like a yeah. catharsis practice so mm-hmm. yeah then um you know had a beautiful flogging session and I got to like kind of melt afterwards and I felt like yeah I got to mm-hmm. release that tension and release that pain and um stuff like that and yeah in general Mm -hmm. yeah there will be periods in my life where I'm like wow I'm making so many decisions and I'm uh you know being such a businesswoman right now and uh, you know doing all this stuff and then I'll be like yeah I really want to get tied up or I really want to um have Mm -hmm. a session where I get to just be submissive and surrender to counteract um and to to balance out that energy so now it's definitely much more of an aware process of being like oh Mm -hmm. okay I feel myself being 
drawn towards that or maybe first I'll just notice that like I feel like I'm excessively in control right now and maybe kink would be a nice thing or maybe I get the impulse mm-hmm. for kink first and I'm like oh why is that and it's really great because yeah. then I can communicate whether it's with my partner or someone else that I'm having a scene with I can really communicate mm-hmm. like what's the underlying need or right. what's the desire at the core of why I want this mm. scene and then it's easier for them to like help co-create that and we can create yeah. it together mm-hmm. so that I don't end up with this like unsatisfying experience where it's like mm-hmm. oh yeah they they were you know doing it wrong or in a way that I didn't like or something like if I can right. communicate that it's more likely to really get met <laughs> yeah totally nice yeah thank you for that reflection yeah um yeah I relate with a lot of that in my own exploration and I think the last thing you touched on, I think I'll say three things, but I think the last thing you touched on was a really astute point of like, if a person wants a scene, asking the question like, like what, uh, what scratches this, what itches this scratching, I think is a really useful one because some kink scenes I've also had like, sometimes for me getting flogged or receiving pain is actually helpful if I'm in just like a small painful life, if I'm like burnt out for say. Uh, saying like getting flog can like help me actually just like cathart all the pain I'm feeling and just like reap like squeeze it out of my system but like that's a very different desire than like I have a lot of like desire female dominant desires that are very very old and for as far as I can tell those are linked to like very deep stories around childhood trauma and then I have other desires about like being in control and destroying someone which is it's just like each thing for me will touch on a very different part and a very different need and a very different like came up at a different time in my life too but anyways all that to say I think that's really useful and I think the last thing I got from that last bit you shared well this could be a whole nother conversation but maybe we could save it for another time but I've also found the wheel of consent to be just like such a have you explored that at all yeah Mm -hmm. okay yeah oh yeah absolutely I love it (laughs) yeah I just found it I just it just felt it continues to feel so revolutionary for me because like even in what you were describing of like well even who is the scene for like it it, whether I'm subbing or doming like the scene could be for me or my partner or both of us or an exploration but anyways I just find like um yeah those to be very useful questions to ask like what do I want to get out of the scene and whose pleasure is the scene for and I feel like those questions are so helpful in negotiating a scene because it's such a skill set to be able to create something with the person and talk about it beforehand, both put what you want, your desires and boundaries into the pot and like, see where you go, see where you get. And obviously, it's always an exploration. And sometimes you don't get the scene you wanted. And that's useful, just frankly, just as useful. But I guess I'm just appreciating some of the different things to look at that might come up in the negotiation of a scene. Um, That's the last thing I want to say on that. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting when you bring this like deeper awareness into BDSM um, mm-hmm. and like how much more fulfilling the results can mm. can often be when you're like, yeah, I know that I I want mm-hmm. this because of, of this. So like, let's focus yeah. on meeting that need um, compared to just unconsciously not knowing why you want it and why you're not really scratching mm-hmm. the itch. You know, it's like, oh, it was kind of there, but mm-hmm. it wasn't really there because like we weren't mm-hmm. super aware of what that itch was <laughs> that needed to scratch. I love that uh, yeah. analogy kind of thing. So yeah. Hmm. yeah, but it also, 
um yeah also when you then come from this more conscious angle sometimes it can feel like a little bit more pressure which is where both of mm. you need to also be able to surrender because yeah sometimes mm-hmm. it will just end up being a little clunky or awkward or uh you know this yeah. person has this need and then you know you're like oh, I really want to like help them meet this need but then like actually I'm not in the flow today uh-huh. so um there's definitely right. a challenge that comes with that because there can be a little bit more pressure or expectation which is where I think uh-huh. you also need to be playing with people that are also totally okay to just be like yeah like you know it's just the same with right. uh, vanilla regular sex or something like sometimes it'll just like all flow together and it'll be like super amazing yeah. and then sometimes it'll be a bit clunky and then you'll kind of like halfway <laughs> through be like I don't think this is really working let's just cuddle instead <laughs> exactly yeah exactly and you want a partner who will ride with whatever comes up and they say great we're cuddling now <laughs> that's where the flow is going. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, this has been a really, yeah, beautiful conversation. I'm uh, grateful for, yeah, your, um, yeah, your shares around these little Mm. uh, different characters that you've been exploring Mm -hmm. and your exploration into the kind of kink world. And, you know, I Mm. even want to like dive more into that that conversation around exploring gender through that but we don't uh-huh. have enough time for covering all of that today but um yeah. yeah it was really inspiring yeah thank you I appreciate that and I enjoyed swapping ideas and experiences as well and I had a friend tell me once that it's nice to leave a conversation where there's more things you want to talk about and I think that's true mm-hmm. it is a nice place to leave it yeah yeah i'm always uh loving our conversation so maybe it'll have to be another mm. uh, podcast to come in the future <laughs> yeah well maybe um i'm planning to resurrect my podcast as well maybe i can return the favor although it's just taking i mean as with everything business related everything takes a long time <laughs> yeah always takes twice as long as you think it's gonna take you're like oh just make yeah. it a podcast that'll be easy <laughs> right yeah yeah exactly no big deal cool um well yeah do you want to just share with people how they can get in contact with you and maybe a little bit about that ebook that you created recently which is amazing sure yeah thank you um say website is mikemantel.com mantel has two l's just started social mediaing on instagram and tiktok kind of late to the game but i'm finding it to be pretty enjoyable and my handle is mike mantel on both of those And pretty much the things that I'm trying to explore through writing and content are, I guess, a lot of what we talked about, but it's like how to live a meaningful life of self-inquiry and use partnership as a vehicle into personal freedom, self-understanding, and and also like, what does it mean to explore, to like truly plumb the depths of intimacy? That's a question I'm like very fascinated with. So anyways, I'm exploring all these things. Um, Shadow work is a part of that. Gender also works its way in there. And maybe two other things to look out for. I did write an ebook on kind of like I recently like six months ago, and it was just all my views on gender that I was able to wrap up into an ebook and plop it out there. And I was trying to articulate what I thought that the men's work movement and the women's work movement are trying to do, and really the place that they fall short, which is things that I learned from different LGBTQ communities. Um, and then the last thing I'll share, I'm really enjoying facilitating a lot and the reason I like facilitating is because I find it to be really um, gratifying to build a space of however many people let's say like 10 people because first it's like okay we're building an alternative culture together and I find that really interesting because really 
that's why festivals are so interesting too. It's like we're stepping into a different culture. And as people, I feel like different parts of us come out and we behave differently based on the culture we're in. And so I find it very like a really great project to figure out how to build a very strong culture as quickly as possible to bring about whatever the desired exploration is. And I'm actually not sure what my next workshop will be, but something I was thinking about, because I'm doing one-offs right now, uh, I thought it'd be really interesting to have a space for people to explore what their sex and gender journey has been through the lens of their aesthetics. Uh, and I thought that was really interesting because I bought some new shorts the other day that were like a little bit femme. And I just had me reflect on like, holy shit, this is a whole thing. The way I dress is completely reflective of my sex and gender. Anyways, I thought it was just like an under talked about topic that would be cool to give people a, a chance to explore. Um, okay, that was a long plug, but uh, hopefully <laughs> the outlet that it'll stick into is also long. Okay, cool. Yeah, thank yeah. you very much for sharing that. And yeah, I'll pop the links in the description below for people that want to connect. And yeah, thank you so much, Mike. Lovely to have you on again. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, yeah, all I have to say is thank you. And it was really sweet to connect. Yeah. And actually, I always love fin finishing with like, what's your one like tip for people from this conversation? Like if people want to oh, apply nice. some of what we spoke of, um, to their mm -hmm. lives would you have like one little hot tip <laughs> yeah let me sit with it for a moment yeah i would say one thing if you have a partner or somebody to play with that might be interesting to lean into is the next time that you are engaging sexually and honestly it could be kinkily kinkily or it could be not mm -hmm. uh, but the thing i would encourage leaning into is when you have impulses come up the impulse to do this or the feeling of passion instead of just like leaving them as um amorphous feelings which i think is totally valid also but actually see if you can find a character to them because i also find every impulse has a thought behind it too so like see if they're like what's the maybe i have an impulse to grab my partner's neck like see can you find within yourself like what what's the desire what's the verbal desire behind that because it might be like it might be, oh, I want to grab your neck or it might be, I'm going to grab your fucking neck. And then if you can just take both of those and like um, build a character out of them, and that could look a lot of different ways, but I would just encourage the inquiry and see where it takes you because I find like when playing with these different parts and characters and intimacy and sex, I think the greatest benefit is that when the character clarifies itself, it gives more um, like clarity to the play. Uh, and it 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 directs the play in a way that's like more um, clear is the best way I, I can think of saying it. But because um, the clearer you are in your character, the clearer it'll polarize your partner's character. And and I think it's just a worthwhile exploration. So anyways, I don't think that's a right way to do things, but I think it's something worth trying on if somebody feels experimental. Mm, yeah, that's inspiring. Now I'm like, mm, I want to try that myself. <laughs> yeah, okay. totally. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you so much, Mike, and hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay, take care, Luna. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it and found it inspiring. You can connect with me on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and through my website, sensualartistry.com and sensualarts.school, where you can get some freebies and sign up to my mailing list to stay in touch. Hope to see you again soon.